0: I want to spend a few minutes this evening sharing a bit from the scriptures and and then offer a few thoughts on what they say to us today on this beautiful Christmas Eve. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, we're given one of the two accounts of Jesus' birth in the Bible. Matthew also uh, fills in some other details of the Christmas story, but it's Luke, Luke's account, who tells of one scene that has become so beloved by so many in the middle of the night. Mary is having the baby tucked away in some corner of Bethlehem. There, uh, Mary's given birth to Jesus. She's laid him in the manger. Meanwhile, we see this happen. In verse 8, it says, And nearby there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. So it's interesting, these guys witness an angel. Now, we can all imagine what we would do if we saw an angel, like some of us would just be really excited or some of us would just be dumbfounded. They were terrified. They were terrified. But the angel says, don't have fear because this new thing has begun tonight and this new thing is all about joy. Amen. Joy. And notice this relationship between joy and fear here. This relationship. Because when joy comes on the scene, fear apparently has no place. Fear can't hang around. It has, no, it has to go. In the Psalms, the poet gives us a few more thoughts on joy. He says this in chapter 28. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. I like this. My heart leaps for joy. Does your heart leap for joy tonight? Does your heart leap? I don't know about you. My heart mostly stays right here in this area of my chest. Um, If your heart literally leapt, your body would probably be in trouble unless it was, you know, leaping along with it. So even in talking about joy, the writer here, he can't find literal words. He's using metaphor and poetry and imagery here. My heart leaps for joy. How many of you have ever experienced that unadulterated joy? That makes you just lose all care about who's looking, if anybody's around, or if you're in an appropriate place to be expressing that much joy, right? Maybe it's that time you got the job, right? You got the email or the call, you got the job. Maybe it was seeing your, your kids score a goal when you know how much they've struggled, how hard they've worked to get to that, that place, right? Maybe it's that, uh, maybe for you it's just that moment of ecstasy when you're, you're in a crowd and your favorite band is, gets to your favorite part of your favorite song and you can't help but jump up and down like a pogo stick like with the whole, the whole crowd and you're all just screaming. Maybe it's that moment you first lay eyes on someone's brand new baby and you see it and all you can do is melt. And the first thing you say, even if you're lying, is what? How beautiful, <laughs> right? what a beautiful baby right because joy can't be contained it can't be stopped joy will hug a stranger in the street joy will jump up and down in public joy will do a a big fist bump in the library joy doesn't care joy is contagious it defies language even the psalmist is at a loss. This one in, in chapter 30, he says, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. He says, you removed my sackcloth. It's like, it's like I was wearing this sad old rag and you put brand new clothes on me or something, right? So whatever this thing is, that they talk about on the scriptures, this thing, this joy thing, it's anything but silent or calm. It's anything but boring. It's anything but polite, this joy. It doesn't care about looking refined or looking cool. Whatever joy is, it's something that is fully alive, right? Joy is like this sweater. It does not care about looking cool. Right? You can't hold it back. You can't stop it. Right? It is what it is. It's the opposite. Joy is the opposite of being numb, it's the opposite of being cynical. Joy leaves no room for being afraid of, of what's going to happen next because where joy is, fear leaves. Now, I realize some people are going to be like, yeah, joy's nice and all, but you don't understand. The kind of misery I'm going through right now. I mean, joy is great and all for people who who aren't suffering, people who have it easy. But when you you know, what about when you're really going through the mill, when you are going through suffering? You don't understand what I'm dealing with. Um, one Sunday a, a few weeks back, we told a story in our in our sermon. Uh, of something that happened long ago around the year 60 AD. Uh, there was this terrible famine that had struck the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding region, and the Christians there were suffering terribly. They were suffering from starvation as well as the intense persecution for serving Jesus. Meanwhile, all over the Roman Empire, Christianity was exploding. New churches were popping up here and there. Christians were being birthed all over from one, from one end, the western end of Europe to the, to the Middle East, from Africa to Asia. Christianity was, was exploding. And all these brand new churches wanted to help the Jerusalem church. They thought of the Jerusalem church as the mother church. And they heard their, of their great suffering and they all wanted to help. And so Paul, uh, they all wanted to send money, and so Paul, the apostle, was going around to the different churches, and he was collecting money for them. But what had happened was there was this one, tucked away in this one faraway little region known as Macedonia, the Christians there were themselves so poor, they were so poor, they didn't have anything, so they had been left out of the whole campaign, And uh, nobody wanted to ask the Macedonians to give an offering because that would just be awkward, right? Uh, These guys didn't have anything to give or so everyone thought. Turns out the Macedonians got wind of what was happening and they sent word to the Apostle Paul that they not only wanted to contribute, they insisted on being allowed to give toward the suffering of their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so Paul, he's just blown away. He can't believe just the spirit of generosity from these people who don't you know, apparently have anything, and he writes a letter to the other churches to let them know what the Macedonians are doing, this incredible spirit of theirs, and he says this, and now brothers and sisters, he's talking to the Corinthian churches here, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So notice what's happening here. These folks here were, these guys were suffering horrific levels of persecution for following Christ. And their generosity and their joy are overflowing. They weren't waiting for circumstances to get better before they decided to be joyful. And they're not even like given some money, you know, because they have to, but they're going to be sad about it, you know. They're overflowing with joy in the midst of their suffering. And so I want to look at a few keys that we can can gather tonight. We can learn from some of these passages about this thing called joy. Number one, joy transcends circumstances. Joy transcends circumstances. Paul says, you guys are going through terrible suffering, friends, but that did not in any way inhibit you from your joy. So joy transcends whatever it is you're going through at the moment. True joy. We're talking about true joy, the joy that's deeper than just a momentary pleasure. This is joy that is independent of the suffering you might be going through. And things around you might not be looking so good. The the future might seem dark. Circumstances can be hard. And we're not not discounting uh, or minimizing the hardship that some of you truly are going through. I know right now. And we need to encourage one another. It's one of the things we're called to do, to bear one another's burdens as a church. That's the church at its best when we do that. But I want you to know that even in your tough circumstances, there is a joy that can be fully alive. There's a joy that's not touched by things around you. You ever talk to somebody? I was talking to somebody recently, and they were just like, they were going through this thing that's unbelievably tough. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I... I can't explain it, but I just have this calm. Somehow there's just this joy that's beneath, that's deeper and wider and more real than all the garbage that I'm going through. So number one, joy transcends circumstances. The second thing we see in these passages is that joy is a gift. Joy is a gift. This is important. You are given joy. Joy is not something you earn. Uh, It's not something you achieve if you prove yourself spiritual enough, if you prove yourself good enough. You don't achieve joy by trying extra hard to be happy uh, or by being in denial of your circumstances. Paul recognizes this. He says, you guys have received this gift of joy in the midst of severe suffering, in the midst of it. And that makes all the difference here. So where does our joy come from? Over in the Psalms again. The writer says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's what sustains me, right? What's the ultimate source of our joy? It's our salvation. What God has already done for us. What God has already done for us. What greater gift is there than our salvation? Joy transcends circumstances because it is a gift that comes really from being aware that joy is all. For us at any moment. Because ultimately, what joy is, joy is our response to God's limitless gift to us. No matter what's going on, joy is our response. So, the angel told the shepherds, hey, 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 guys, don't be afraid. Fear not. Be joyful. Be joyful because tonight your Savior has just been born. You remember what? Paul says to those joyful Macedonians. Where in the world did they come up with their joy? What does he say? Through the grace that God has given them. Through the grace that God has given. So, grace is a gift. And then here's what Paul later, he's writing to these amazing, awesome Macedonian Christians. He says this to them. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Where did they discover this joy? It was given to them by the Spirit. It was given to them. So joy is born when we simply accept God's gift of grace. I find this so fascinating too because even the very the nature of the word uh, joy in the Greek You knew you weren't going to get away without a Greek word tonight. Um, In the Greek, joy is the word kara. It's the word kara, which has its root in the word charis, which means gift. They're inseparable because joy comes from your awareness that your whole life is is a gift. Everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. Back to the Psalms. He says, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades. Now, this is really interesting. And studying this verse out, this, path, this phrase right here, where morning dawns and evening fades. This is, uh, the poet here is referring to a times of transition. This is times of change. Sometimes it feels like both when it's like a new day dawning and when things beca- begin to seem like they're kind of getting dark. Whatever is happening, he says you call forth songs of joy. So for this writer, joy is something just woven into the very fabric of creation. The whole earth is filled with wonders. So we can look for joy, we can go searching for it, we can try to earn it or think like that. But the real key simply might be awareness. Awareness of the gift that has already been offered to us. Now I want to look at one more key tonight because central to our understanding of being Jesus followers is also being imitators of Jesus. We follow Jesus, but we also imitate Jesus. We are made in the image of God. And as image bearers, one of our highest callings, our greatest honors is is passing on to others what God has done for us. And so that means Joy isn't just something that's gifted to each of us by God. At Generations, we then are quite convinced that our joy becomes even greater. Even greater. You might call it a hyperdynamite kind of joy. If you were here a few weeks ago, you remember that phrase. We're talking about overflowing joy, like the Macedonians. That joy becomes even greater when we give it away. So in 1 John The writer is uh, sharing with his friends. He's telling them about something. He says, something amazing has happened to us. And and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And he says in verse 4, we write this to make our joy complete. That word complete literally means filled to the top. We're writing to you. So that our joy will be filled to the top. So why is he writing? Because the writer John here, he has come to the awareness that to experience truly this complete overflowing kind of joy, that hyper dynamite kind of joy, he has to share the news with somebody else. He has to share it. And so there's being aware of our joy. That is the joy that's a gift of grace, the joy of our salvation. But then there is an even fuller measure of joy that is only found when we take action. We could put it this way joy overflows when we give it away. Joy overflows when we give it away. I mean, is this not why we love to give gifts to our children? Right? You parents out there know. It it could be obviously because it not only makes them scream with delight right? But it makes our joy complete, doesn't it? Have you ever seen a three-year-old on Christmas morning who's like cynical and jaded? (laughs) Like, nah, I've seen that all before. No! There's no cynical, jaded three-year-olds at Christmas morning, right? Of course not. Maybe Jesus is calling us, calling us back to something that some of us may have, May have lost some of us may have let fizzle out tonight we're counting down the final hours of the season of advent the season of advent is a word that means advent is a word that means uh, the coming toward it's it, something that is coming and we celebrate the arrival of the season of christmas in just a few hours christmas begins And together, these events celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ into the world. That's the fulfillment of a promise, the salvation of all mankind. So joy, why do we sing joy to the world? Joy to the world, joy for the Lord has come. Joy has come, the Lord has come. Jesus is joy personified. Jesus is joy with flesh on it. The angels announced it to the shepherds. Joy has arrived on the scene, guys, and where joy is, fear has to leave because fear and joy cannot hold hands. Fear and joy can't share a bed. If fear's at the party and joy shows up, fear's got to head out the back door, right? It can't stay. Fear's, fear says, but what if this happens? Joy says, but look what has already happened. Look what's happened. Joy... Is capable of wonder and awe even in the face of the unknown. Tonight, if you're somebody who maybe for you joy has left the building as of late, maybe the first step is to just choose to begin choosing to allow joy to return, to come home to your heart. Do you need to reclaim your joy? To say no to fear. To say no to cynicism. Are are you done being jaded? Maybe it's time to be like a child again. Joy is rooted in our awareness of this limitless gift that has been given to us this very night. In just a few moments after we pray, uh, we're going to share in communion together. And uh, the choir can make their way back up here now. If you uh, grabbed the communion elements as you walked in here, you can be getting that ready. If you're watching us by live stream tonight, we would love for you to receive communion along with us. You can do it right there wherever you are, wherever you are in the world. We just bow your head with me and pray. Dear God, as we, we cross over, Lord, from Advent, from that season of, of looking forward to your coming, as we cross over into that season of celebrating your birth, we examine our hearts tonight to ask ourselves if we've lost our joy. God, we want our hearts to leap. We want to be clothed in joy. We want our eyes to be open wider than just to the circumstances that are immediately in front of us. We want to glimpse the grace that you've given us that transcends everything happening around us. The gift of salvation that you have freely offered us, Lord. And God, as we reflect tonight, as we listen to your Spirit speaking to our hearts, we receive your joy. We dare to receive joy. We understand that joy and fear are not friends, they don't hold hands, that when joy comes that fear has to go, and so we choose joy over fear as our companion. Heavenly Father, as we prepare uh, now to take communion together, this Lord's Supper, we join in this holy act of faith that has been performed by millions and millions of our brothers and sisters down through the centuries. We join in this grand story you've allowed us to be a part of, the story you've been telling from the very beginning. And we say thank you, thank you for the ultimate act of grace, the ultimate gift that is Jesus, the one who humbled himself to leave heaven and become a vulnerable baby And then to grow and to live among us and to die for our sins and to show us just how selfless your love really is, Lord. Tonight we eat this bread and we drink this cup in remembrance of Jesus, the sacrifice he paid for us. And we do this in full knowledge, Lord God, that we are your image bearers in the world. And this is a world that is desperate for your joy right now. We pray all of this in the strong, beautiful name of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you. Let's take it now. The blood of Christ that was shed for you. Thank you, Lord. What can we say but thank you for reconciling us to you, Lord, and for allowing us to be part of a brand new family, the body of Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. His grace is amazing. It is a limitless ocean. His mercy endures forever. It's new every single morning. He's so good. Hallelujah.